I work in the area of gender theory as a great interest, but I uh, am also sort of involved in community development as a background sort of for my many years working as a community worker um, and managing new programs, valuation research. So I teach a bit of that stuff as well within the context of the sort of new paradigms of new economy and uh, the commons. We'll get to uh, the new economy and the, and the commons uh, shortly. But I thought I'd start by, I guess, asking you or inviting you to, to comment on I guess most most obviously what we're seeing in the States at the moment, we've got some amazing, uh, particularly young women, uh, who are really inspiring uh, um, the world um, with their uh, resistance and you know their their stance on gun culture in America. But uh, I'm mm-hmm. thinking you know, much more broadly. I'm looking around Australia and look, looking around the world at an amazing. Amazing leadership from the grassroots, which is really, from what I can see, really being led from by women everywhere. I'm thinking, of course, of, even of uh, Michelle Maloney, uh, particularly in this new economy stuff, um, yourself, Amanda Carhill, uh, people like uh, Samantha Castro at Friends of the Earth in Melbourne. There's just women everywhere, lots of Sharon amazing people. Yeah, Sharon Eady in South Australia. Um, amazing campaigners here in this part of the world, Mia Pepper, Simone Van Hattam. Talk to us. I mean, it seems to me that uh, women are doing it better in this uh, in this regard. Yeah, look, it's a, a fraught sort of issue, I suppose. And, I mean, I agree with you in the sense of your positive note that you're taking about it because I feel that too. Um, You know, I've always had a lot of faith that women can, given the opportunity, have a a real contribution towards change. And it's great when you see that happening. And I think that in this sort of new wave, we are also really mindful that women shouldn't even try to do it alone because that's we had to do that in the first and second wave of feminism because there was no support. But I think what is demonstrated by the movements in America at the moment and the whole, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement as well mm. um, is that there's support from, you know, men who don't want to live this way any longer either, you know, men who can see the destruction that's resulted from the imbalance of gender input into power. So it's a very positive time, I think, in that sense as well. But women aren't alone in taking a stand about things and are more issue-based, which I think is really important in terms of how we construct what the problems are with our current society and the models we might make for change. Constructing the problem as being about women and about feminism is a bit of a furfit. You know, the reality is the problems really are about how we live. Mm. You know, they are about, um, you know, access to food and and housing and, you know, education and all those things. And so it's and obviously the gun uh, gun control lobby issue in America is not a feminist issue, but to have women taking a stand on an issue like that is where we need to go. Not about feminism, not about women as women, but about the issues. Yeah. So th- these women that are leading from from the grassroots and from, from really from the coalface, um, I'm thinking that you know for me when I think about the new economy, um, the most important kind of 
aspect to it all is really that it's 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 led from the grassroots. So, in terms of the new economy, um, I mean, firstly, maybe if you can just talk to us a little bit about what your your vision, just more broadly, of the the new economy is. That's obviously something that people can take a bunch of different ways, but. <laughs> I guess the position uh, and the skills that are really necessary to to bring forward, you know, from that grassroots level. I mean, it seems to me that women are in a really powerful position to be to be taking the lead on that. Yeah, and look, I suppose um, not meaning to be contrary, but mm. my, you know, I, I actually think we should stop talking about economy. I know we've got that term, and it is so central to our being that. We we do need to you know, mm-hmm. engage around it, but I don't think we should be led by it. You know, we've been led by it for thousands of years, and it, it fundamentally is a big part of the problem because economics is really about the re the distribution of wealth, distribution of you know extra um, resources. So I'm really interested in the notion of pre-economy. So a post-economic framework that, that you know, comes from looking back to pre-economy. And if we look back to pre-economy, we then look back to, um, you know, Aboriginal societies and Indigenous communities all over the world. Yeah. But, you know, and in Australia, we have a living cultural one that's, you know, still intact, never broken. So I suppose when I talk about new economy, I'm doing it because it's a term for interaction with people. Mm-hmm. But my thinking is always about beyond economy, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So is that where um, I, you're a part of this uh, this emerging group, the Commoners Co-op uh, Freelancers Group? Is that are you more? What kind of language are you more comfortable with in this space? Like is commoning? Uh, yeah, talk to us a bit more about that. Well, I like commoning because, uh, as I understand it. Uh, the move to claim, uh, reclaim the sense of the commons is a very umbrella sort of focus. And um, uh, people from, well, the Peer-to-Peer Foundation, particularly Michelle Bounds, is a, a leader in communicating these ideas. Um, and it's particularly, I suppose, from Europe um, that we've seen more of a focus on looking at um, a social political and economic framework that would pick up the fact that really people own all the resources of the world, but we've just gone astray with this saying some people own more than others and even giving away ownership, you know, and that sort of history back to the enclosures um, where people started to take things and say they were theirs, you know, this is mine. So this is my land and people could no longer wander around, grow things, pick things. So for me, the commons is a powerful concept, but um, issue, you know, concepts like the solidarity economy nesting really well under the commons and that's what I like too. So, you know, I think it's really important that we don't get stuck with our language and I think the whole idea of a cooperative approach is that people should be able to express in the language that's meaningful for them and what they're doing now. So I don't think we have to go, well, it must be this or must be that. In fact, you know, to the contrary, I think the very idea of the commons is that the thing only gets its meaning when you do it. So it's not like we're going out saying we want the whole world to be the commons. I think the thing is it's about saying, well, let's recognise in each other all over the world people who are doing this thing that fit within this idea of sharing, not 
you know, um, not focusing on ownership as, you know, the means of how we divide up ourselves in the world, but focusing on uh, sharing and common ownership. Now, you've, you've, you've mentioned there, I almost would like to phrase the same question to you, um, you know, in, from an Aboriginal perspective. So um, we have, as I just suggested, uh, what I consider women to be in a power position to show leadership in this, this space. Talk to us uh, a little bit more about your thoughts um, that we can look to our Indigenous brothers and sisters and to you know ancient cultures uh, around the world as having the, the keys to a way forward here? Yeah, well, I, I mean, for me, um, I'm at a point in my thinking that um, where I believe that a major part of our problem has been um, Western, white, male, patriarchal dominance. And so for me both gender and race are key components of how we've been, uh, how we are controlled and how we have accepted a way of living that, you know, puts the sort of capitalist agenda at the centre of everything. So it's sort of, I'm really interested then, obviously, in um, how we, uh, how the, the voice of a woman can be heard and start to not find equality but find a space that um, where they have equal power and equal influence and they need to be different from men in that sense. So it's not about being equal with men. And in the same way, I think for people of colour, um, you know, that the whole colonial sort of approach has done the same thing. So for me, I'm really interested in, as a white person, stepping back listening, promoting the voice of Aboriginal people uh, and taking direction from them. And I think men need to do that for women. White people need need to do that with people of colour. So for me at the moment, I'm reading Alexis Wright's um, book Tracker, you know, and I'm really interested in Aboriginal economics, but I want to know what Aboriginal people are saying or have said, and I want to try and learn from their their textbooks um, because I, I think that's going to be a huge thing going forward in terms of, you know, how we deal with climate change and social change. So for these, um, what is it, uh, these eight uh, white men that own uh, such a ridiculous, I can't remember the exact figure, but is it over 50% of the, the world's wealth at the moment? Oh, I think it's more like 90, isn't it? It's, I think it's, it's, it's amazing, it's yeah. Something okay. obscene, but, <laughs> you know, the insanity of that. But, you know, white supremacy in particular, in particular male white supremacy, I'm hearing in some of your previous talks that I've listened to that the way forward is to take a compassionate view with, uh, in terms of how we how we deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I think I hear where you're coming from with that. And look, I, I think that's really important. I mean, for me, um, you know, I think I've said when I've been speaking that, you know, I had a father who loved me unconditionally, a partner of 24 years who loved a male partner uh, loved me unconditionally, and I now have a son who loves me unconditionally. And I don't, I, you know, I think that's really important. And I, you know, love men and want to be in a world where men are feeling happy and empowered and. But the problem is that, um, you know, we have a world that's codified with male privilege and particularly white male privilege. 
And we need to have the discussions with men about that and how that manifests and what needs to happen to change it. And I think for men, um, it's difficult because it does mean leaving space. You know, it does mean not being the first to put up your hand, not sitting on things that are only men, you know, not being the one who has to write the book, you know, not being the hero who has to save the world because that's part of male framing. And that's good. We need men to be like that. But when they're doing it with no balance of women who, you know, want to see more of the nurturing, the sharing, the, you know, what happens when a group of people get together to do something, who want to listen and think about things before they decide what they want to do. So that's the challenge, I think. Um, the compassionate challenge is... Um, how do we engage? You know, I, I was reading something of the novelist Alana Ferranti the other day talking about, you know, how women, you know, we, we haven't come very far, really. We still can't be ourselves and we need to nurture each other in doing that. But in working with men, you know, we want to nurture them, we want to support them, we want to promote them, but we also have to challenge them. Yeah. But we have to do it in a way that we don't alienate them. So that's the compassion. 